0: the lord be with you a reading from the holy gospel according to mark the apostles gathered together with jesus and reported all they had done and taught he said to them come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, His heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, uh, today the readings have a lot to say about shepherds of the church and how we're meant to conduct ourselves. the gospel reading picks up after last week's reading. So remember last week, Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, and he said, Whatever town or village you go to, go there, and whoever welcomes you, stay. Whoever doesn't welcome you, knock the dust off your sandals and move on. Proclaim the kingdom of God to them, cure their sick, drive out demons. And he gives them this power to do the very things that they had seen him doing in his public ministry. And, and so this week we hear about how they come back to him, and they start telling him all the amazing and wondrous things that they've done. And how they were able to drive out demons and cure sick people. And as they proclaimed the kingdom of God to the people. And our Lord says, come away by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. And when we hear that, and and oftentimes in my life in the past, when I heard that, I, I kind of took it as like, man, they must have been really tired. So our Lord's like, let's go take naps. But there might be something more. Because Jesus in his own life, you know, when he does great things and and performs great miracles, oftentimes right after that it says, and then he went alone to a deserted place to pray. And then he went off to a lonely place to pray. And he went to be alone with the Father. He went to be alone with the Father. And that movement towards the Father is a movement of thanksgiving. It's a movement of thanksgiving. It's a place where our Lord goes and he says, Father, thank you for healing that blind man. Father, thank you for allowing that lame person to walk again. Father, thank you for giving giving speech to that person with a speech impediment. Because our Lord knows he can't do anything unless the Father does it in him. And, And so when he invites the disciples, he's inviting them again. He just sent them out to do what he does. And now he's inviting them to do what he does, which is go to the Father in gratitude. And to go to the Father as a place of rest. And to go to the Father as a place of renewal. because none of us can do anything unless the Father does it in us. The psalm says, unless the Lord builds the house in vain do its builders' labor. And as they go to be alone with the Father, it says they disembarked and all these people showed up. Because every time we go back to the Father to be recharged, he prepares us for the next mission. And our Lord looks on this vast crowd and it says he was moved with pity for them. And, 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 I, and I never really like that translation, like he's moved with pity for them. Because sometimes it doesn't ring well in our ears, you know. It, it reminds me of Mr. T a lot, if, if you're older than me. Right. And or like I remember working with a teenager once and he said, I don't want people to pity me. And, and I think a, a way that I tend to think about it now or a way I invite you to think of it as he had empathy for them. Right. He had empathy for them. He saw this group of people that had a great need and he recognized in them the same need he has that drives him to the father that same desire for communion, that same desire for security, that same desire for safety. And so he has empathy for them because he sees that same desire, but they don't know where to go. And he begins to teach them many things. Because the Lord knows the longings of our hearts. And his own desire is to enter into, to meet, to Respond to the desires that we have. And again, he's inviting his disciples who have become apostles now to do what he does, to look on that vast crowd and love them and desire to give them what they have, to help them to find what they've already found. because he desires that they be good shepherds. And the church in its history and the history of the Judeo-Christian world is filled with bad shepherds. In Jeremiah's prophecy, we hear, woe to shepherds who mislead and scatter the flock of my pasture. You have scattered my sheep and driven them away you have not cared for them, right? You have not cared for them. We could read that. You haven't cared about people. You haven't cared about people. And we live in a particular time right now where where many people in the church and outside of the church feel like the leadership in the church doesn't care about people. And that can become hard and it can erode our faith and it can get in the way of surrendering our life to our Lord because the most painful thing that any of us goes through is when somebody who's supposed to love us doesn't love us well. And that can be any number of priests I've known in my life. It can be bishops. On the level of the domestic church, it can be a mother or a father who didn't love us the way we needed to be loved. And, and sometimes that's the most sensitive one to bring up and, and it's often the most difficult to acknowledge. My answer to that is always, you know, unless your mother's name is the Blessed Virgin Mary and your father's name is St. Joseph, your parents fell short in some way. Like It's okay, welcome to the human race. That's why our Lord came into the world. And that's also why from the cross he said, behold your mother and gave us his mother who is perfect To make up the difference. That's why he gave us, in a real sense, Saint Joseph to be our father to make up the difference, to fill in gaps where there were was an emptiness. You know, and thank God for that. You know, many times in my priesthood, I've sat down with our Lord and I've said, "Jesus, I totally botched that conversation. I need you to make up the difference." know I said the wrong thing I was having a bad day I was distracted I need you to make up the difference and that's a way of going back to the father and letting him do that because the danger otherwise is is that when people fail us we just don't want to trust anymore and we don't know who to trust and we start grasping at people to trust it can be a temptation when there's a specific person that we feel like has failed us. So we look for another person to make up the difference, but that person isn't St. Joseph or Jesus or the Blessed Virgin Mary either. And everybody falls short except for those that are perfect. And I've experienced that very profoundly in, in my own healing process and, and kind of the, the way that I grew up in my family and And getting focused on like finding a surrogate family and these are kind of things that i that i've done and tried and and none of that worked until i was really ready to surrender everything to the one who really knows me and really loves me and that's what we're called to do especially when there's confusing things that are said or we're called to do when we don't understand what the bishops are doing or when we don't understand what like all of those things that people get riled up about on social media and 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 maybe you don't check social media and I, and I affirm you in that and say just like keep keep going right but but if you do and you get distracted by those conversations just like be on the lookout for that because it takes our eyes off the father and we see that dynamic and the reality that of the fact that that's been going on for like 6,000 years because it really is the theme of Psalm 23 that, that is the Responsorial Psalm for today. And remember, the Psalms were written by David, and, and David knows better than any of us the experience of having a leader and a religious leader and a surrogate father who failed him. You know, David was a shepherd. He was the sort of smallest of his brothers. And then he was anointed by Samuel to be the new king. And so he's brought to Jerusalem and he encounters Saul, who's the king, who's also the religious leader of the people. And Saul takes him in and Saul's son, Jonathan, becomes David's best friend. And Saul gives David his daughter to be his wife. And he sends David out on campaigns and David fighting for Saul, like defeats Thousands of Philistines. And and when he comes back, the people start singing this song. Saul had his thousands. David had his ten thousands. And Saul gets jealous. He gets jealous. He's not like a father who wants his son to do better than he does. He gets jealous. And so he starts plotting against David and wants to kill David. And David has to go into hiding as the person that was supposed to love him and take care of him and mentor him. Betrayed him. And David writes this, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. You know, in the midst of Saul is not being a very good shepherd right now, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. And he's able to see that through all of that and all of that confusion that that our Lord is in his life, that, that our Lord is the one that's guiding him and he's able to keep his eyes fixed on the Lord. And the Lord makes up the difference. And the fruitfulness of that is that when David had the opportunity to take vengeance and kill King Saul, he didn't do it. The story goes like he left a spear and a note. (laughs) Like, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Because the Lord is kind and merciful. It's another thing David wrote in the Psalms. And that's the place that we need to go. The Lord is my shepherd, right? Not like this YouTuber is my shepherd. Not like this obscure religious leader is my shepherd. Like, the Lord is my shepherd. Because otherwise our hearts just get all confused. You know, and this is particularly on my heart right now because our beloved Holy Father, like he released this new motu proprio recently about the Latin Mass. And, and I read it very carefully and, and I didn't read a lot of social media about it, but I'm sure that what it's going to do is make people go like this and just kind of like, become more entrenched in whatever division exists at this time. And, and, and so I just want to encourage everyone I can to keep their eyes on the Lord and to trust that our Lord has something he's doing there. And, and there's so many times that we have rules and we don't understand why we have a rule or there's a correction and we don't understand where the correction's coming from and we surrender to it. Like speed limits. You know, at a certain point, somebody was going 90 through a neighborhood, so we made a speed limit because somebody broke a law, so we had to make a law. Or the Ten Commandments, right? There shouldn't be a need for a commandment that says you shall not kill, but we have a need for one because people were killing each other. When priests are disciplined... Now, sometimes priests are disciplined, and there's a penalty, and, and, and sometimes we read that penalty, and we're like, I don't understand, this doesn't seem congruent with the crime, but we don't actually know everything about the crime. Nor does anybody want to know everything about the crime. And we can just trust that if, if there's a discipline that took place, well, maybe there's a reason for that. I found one of the most interesting things in that instruction that came out was that that the Holy Father says that the bishop should designate someone who takes care of those people that desire that form of liturgy. And the bishop must ensure that that priest who is taking care of those people actually cares about those people. That he has to make sure that they're taking care of the pastoral needs of those people. And there's something good about that because that would imply that sometimes it's it's the case that there are clergy who can sort of like, you know, offer mass in a certain way or whatever way they do. It doesn't matter what form they're in, but they don't care about their people. I really wish that it would have said Bishops must ensure that every pastor in their diocese actually cares about their people. Like, I would have liked it if it said that. Because that's what Jeremiah said in the prophecy today. And and there's a a need for people to be cared for. And, And I have a heart for people in every spectrum of the church. Like, I have had the privilege of walking with people in every spectrum of the church. And and at the end of the day, every single one of us in the church is somebody who's trying to figure out how to be loved by God and how to love each other. That's what we're all trying to figure out. We're all trying to figure out how to be loved by God and then how to love our neighbor as as we were loved by God. And if we keep our eyes fixed on that problem, like, how do I be loved by God more? Amazing things will happen. This weekend, I got to be a witness to those amazing things. I was on that Unveiled Healing Marriage conference. And, uh, and I, just, I, I just was in a privileged place because I, there were so many people there that I knew from one place or another. There were people from other states who I'd run into at another conference that I'd given. And there were people that I've walked with in different ways. And, and at the end of the conference, there's just this most amazing couple got up and kind of to share something and, and, uh, and this is somebody who would never speak in front of people, never, never, never speak in front of people. And, and this woman said, like, this helped me to realize, you know, like in the past I thought like, my husband and I have conflict. I'm just going to, like, I don't need him. I only need God, and me and God are going to be okay, and he can just be doing whatever he's doing over there, and, and that's wrong. And, like, we're in this together. We have to be, moving to be moving together towards our Lord, and I was just like, oh, thank God, yes. I wanted to go high-five everybody in the room because, like, what happened was, like, their heart was transformed, and that's the most important thing. Like, our hearts need to be transformed. And that's what our Lord wants to do. That's what our Lord wants to do. And if we let him do it, the fruit of that, the fruit of that will be surprising. The fruit of that will be surprising, and and the fruit of that will be peace and unity and kindness and gentleness. All the fruits of the Holy Spirit become active in our lives, in our hearts, in our parish. And so today, dear brothers and sisters, let us pray that, that we be protected from all temptation to enter into distraction or division, to pray for the leaders of our church, that they truly do have a heart that seeks out the lost and, and desire to transform people's lives, that none of us ever forgets that everything we have, we've received from the Father, and we don't forget to be grateful for what the Father has given to us. Most especially that that we come into a greater understanding and living out of our identity as beloved sons and daughters of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, and our Heavenly Father.